0: I'm certainly glad that you were here. It seems like we just finished a series, and we did, and now we're finishing another one. We, this is a shorter one on preaching the Word, the whole counsel of God, and how important it is for us as Christians, uh, as preachers, not just those that stand in the pulpit, but everyone in the congregation. We are all preachers of something, whether by example or by word. We need to make sure that as we preach the Word and as we preach the whole counsel of God that we are unashamed to do so. Now there are many today that are ashamed of the Gospel. Or at least they must be because of how they treat it. It may be that, that some are shamed by religious neighbors. I'm not talking about those that live next door to you. But those of, of a religious nature, or churches, many churches today are ashamed of the gospel. And sometimes we're ashamed by others because of what they teach. We are ashamed to teach the truth because of how it might be received. Maybe shamed by unbelievers, afraid of how they might receive The gospel, so we just don't teach it. We may be shamed by those who have passed from this life in belief of something different, especially those that are close to us. There are many people that really struggle to to accept the gospel for its true nature because of parents or grandparents or, or someone of that nature. It may be that we are shamed by family and friends. Maybe shamed into preaching something other than or less than the truth. Shamed into not preaching at all. Satan wants us to be ashamed. He wants us to be ashamed of the gospel. He wants us to be ashamed to preach the truth. faithful Christians cannot be ashamed of the gospel of Christ. We can't be ashamed by its origin, God. And we have to recognize its power to save the lost. As Timothy was encouraged to preach the word, so we also are encouraged to do so. No matter how others may react to it, no matter the opposition that we may face, we must preach the word. Romans 1, verses 16 and 17, is going to, to serve as our overall text for today. We're going to come back to this several times. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first. And also for the Greek, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. Because of the origin of the gospel, we should not be ashamed of it. Romans 1 verse 16 tells us, That it is the power of God. It is the power of God. It is of God. And it's not something that God just came up with in the spur of a moment and decided this is what we're going to do. Oh no, it was well in, in a plan. Going even back to the beginning of time. We go back to creation even. In Genesis chapter 3 and we find evidence of the plan of the gospel. The first mention of God's plan. And it is in connection with the first sin. From the very first time that man sinned, man was in need of redemption. And there was a need for a plan and God knew that. And God had already set that plan in motion. Genesis chapter 3 beginning with verse 13. And the Lord God said to the woman, What is is this you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me and I ate. So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, you are cursed more than all cattle. And more than every beast of the field, on your belly you shall go, and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. Verse 15. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. In opposition of Satan, there was a plan, a plan that involved righteousness, a plan that involved good, a plan that involved the Son of God. In the newer translations, you may notice that the word seed is capitalized there for very good reason. This is a reference to Jesus between your seed and her seed. No, Eve wasn't going to give birth to Jesus. And it wasn't until centuries later that Jesus came into existence on the earth. He was already there. We'll see that in a moment. But God had a plan to put enmity between you and the woman is what it said. And that plan was Jesus. Beyond its first mention in Scripture, also we read in Ephesians chapter 3, beginning with verse 8, Ephesians chapter 3, verses 8 through 11. To me, who am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God who created all things through Jesus Christ to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places. Verse 11, according to the eternal purpose which He accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord, an eternal purpose. It's hard for us to imagine what eternity is like. But it doesn't just go forward. It's not just an eternity that we are looking for in heaven, but we also see eternity going backward as well with God. Even before creation, somewhere an eternity past. There was this plan. God knew this plan. God had devised this plan. He had an eternal purpose, which He accomplished in Christ Jesus, our Lord. This is foretold in prophecy as well. Romans chapter 1, looking at the first few verses, mentions that this is found in prophecy. Romans 1, beginning with verse 1, Paul, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, "...called to be an apostle separated to the gospel of God, which he promised before through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, who was born of the seed of David according to the flesh and declared to be the Son of God with power according to the Spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead." Some of those prophecies include those of Isaiah. Isaiah foretold in chapter 9 of the book of Isaiah, verse 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall or will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. In Isaiah 53, beginning at verse 4. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Beginning with verse 12. Therefore I will divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong. Because he poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors. And he bore the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. Even as we read Isaiah 53, we recognize the tense that this is told in as if it's already happened, and yet it is to come well into the future. But God had a plan a plan, an eternal purpose, a plan for man's redemption, a plan for the gospel. This plan was put into action as we read in Ephesians chapter 2 beginning with verse 14. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 14. For he himself is our peace who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, that is the law of commandments contained in ordinances, So as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace, and that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. The cross cross is a, a very important symbol for us as Christians the cross is, is uh, it signifies our redemption something that would not come except that Jesus gave his life for us the cross is cruel and uh, unusual as that punishment would be it was part of God's plan A plan that had been thought of before creation. A plan that was years in in the making. A plan that affects our eternity today. In first Corinthians chapter one and verse eighteen it says for the message of the cross. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. From the beginning of creation, God had a plan for the redemption of man. His plan involved the death of His only begotten Son for the sins of mankind, John three sixteen, And His plan provides us with salvation. But to receive this salvation, we must be obedient to the plan that He has provided for man. Obedience to anything else will not save us. And that's where we differ with the world and especially uh, the world's version of Christianity. Anything other than what we find in God's holy word Anything other than what we find in the Scriptures will not save us. No matter how zealous, no matter how sincere we may be, anything other than the gospel that was given to us by the apostles and is evidenced in God's Word, anything other than that gospel that God has given will not save man. There are many false ideas in the world, many things that other people believe. But when it comes to Christianity, there is but one way, and that is through the cross. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. For the Jew first and also for the Greek. The power of the gospel to save. Over the years, you know, the gospel hasn't lost its power. It hasn't lost anything in regard to its ability to save man. It's just as strong as it's ever been we have a lot of people that that failed to teach the truth. But it still has the power to save, even today. God has the power. God has the power and ability to save us. We think of of His awesome power. He created the world in the beginning. God created the heavens and the earth. And if you don't believe that, then you might as well just stop there. Because you're not going to believe anything else that God's Word says. John 1 verses 2 and 3 tells us that Jesus was part of that creation. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him. And without Him nothing was made that was made. Psalm 33 and verse 9, For He spoke, and it was done. He commanded, and it stood fast. In Jeremiah 32, verse 17, Jeremiah draws this conclusion in regard to God's creation. Ah, Lord God, behold, You have made the heavens and the earth by Your great power and outstretched arm. There is nothing... He says there is nothing too hard for you. He also possessed the authority necessary to even destroy his creation if he so chose to do so. In Genesis chapter 6 verses 6 and 7, "...and the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart." So the Lord said I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth both man and beast creeping thing and birds of the air for I am sorry that I have made them. God looked upon the world and he saw wickedness. He saw evil to the point that He was grieved in his heart. He repented that he had made man in the first place. And he had the authority to destroy the world. I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth. It gives an all new meaning to the phrase, I've brought you into the world and I can take you out of it. God definitely has that power. Of course, we know what is said in verse 8, that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And Noah, because of his faithful obedience, was saved from this destruction. Paul states in Acts 17 and verse 28, For in him we live and move and have our being. Without God, we wouldn't be alive today. So God still possesses authority over his creation. He still has power over his creation. And we also learn that God does save us. God has the power and the ability to save us. by His grace and mercy, He does save us. A moment ago, we looked at how God's plan was put into action at the cross. And one of the texts that we looked at was Ephesians chapter 2, verses 14 through 16. I want to go back to Ephesians 2, but this time, let's look at verses 11 through 13. And we see that God saves us through Christ. God saves us through Christ. Ephesians 2 verse 11. Therefore remember that you, once Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision made in the flesh by hands, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. We were once outside of Christ. We were in need of salvation. And it says that that for those who were once far away, far away from Christ, far away from this salvation that we needed, we have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Where salvation was once impossible, It is made possible by Jesus' sacrifice of himself on the cross. God saves us through Christ. But he also saves us through the gospel. Going back to 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 18. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved it is the power of God... To save those who believe. Is he saying that the message is foolishness? No. But man thinks it foolish. But for us. It saves us. It is through the foolishness of the message. So to speak message that is preached that those who believe can be saved. Verse 22 For Jews request a sign and Greeks seek after wisdom but we preach Christ crucified to the Jews a stumbling block and to the Greeks foolishness but to those who are called both Jews and Greeks Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God because the foolishness of God is wiser than men. It's not saying that God is foolish by any means. But even if He were, His foolishness is still wiser than anything that man could bring up on his own. And the weakness of God, not that God is weak, but even if He were, the weakness of God is stronger than men. The gospel is foolishness to many. To those who the gospel is foolishness, those who see the gospel as foolishness, they are ashamed, aren't they? They try to shame us. But they are ashamed of the gospel. It pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believed. In Mark chapter 16 verses 15 and 16 Jesus gave the commission to his apostles and he said to them go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. But he who does not believe will be condemned. They were sent into the world preaching the message to every creature, every nation, every tribe and tongue. Everyone who would receive it and even those who wouldn't receive it. But they were to go into all the world with with the gospel to give everyone an opportunity to obey it. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. But he who does not believe will be condemned. God has the power to save all. God does save us. He does save all. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 24. Regardless of color, regardless of race, regardless of gender regardless of background regardless of of wealth or not having wealth regardless of anything else that we could imagine even regardless of past sins God God provides us with the ability to be saved 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verses 9 through 11 gives us a a whole gamut of, of sins that we could imagine. Small ones, big ones. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. Verse 11, and such were some of you. And such were some of you. But you were washed. But you were sanctified. But you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus. And by the Spirit of our God. It doesn't matter what you've done. God still loves you. God still cares for you. And God still offers you the opportunity to be saved. According to the power and authority in the name of Jesus Christ you can be saved. We are saved if we believe. Faith leading to the confession of that faith. Confession of the name of Christ. Repentance change of of mind, heart, attitude, a change of life. Something that we continue in throughout our existence on earth. Baptism for the remission of sins. We are saved if we believe and if we obey. question comes to me and to you. What possible reason could I have for being ashamed of the message and the truth of God's word? What reason could I have to be ashamed of that? If I know that the gospel can save, and especially if I know that the gospel can save others, why would I be ashamed to preach the truth of God's Word? There's power in that truth. That power is not diminished with time. Power is still there, and it is still a very powerful thing. The Word of God is powerful in and of itself. But someone understanding it can obey. They can believe, they can obey. What reason could I have for being ashamed of the message and truth that leads others to obedience and salvation? There's no reason to be ashamed of that. Paul wasn't ashamed of it and neither should we be. He wasn't afraid to preach the truth. If we know others can be saved by it then we need to preach it too. What reason, what reason could I have for being ashamed of the message and truth that leads me to obedience and salvation? If you have become a Christian, if you've obeyed the gospel If you remain faithful that the gospel has saved you. And if you live in a saved state then there's no reason to be ashamed of the gospel when it comes to preaching it to others. We should be unashamed of the gospel. It's given to us by God in it. We see God's power. We see His love and the sacrifice of His Son. His love for others. His love for us as individuals. His love for me. And it is the power that saves even today. If you're not saved, if you're not a Christian, if you need to obey the gospel, then we encourage you to do that. If you've wandered away, if you need to come back To faithfulness, if you need to repent, if you need prayer, there's some way that we can help you. We want to do that if you'll give us the opportunity to help you. As together we stand and as we